it's Vanessa from Beyond the Room and I'm here with Sarah and Amy after the Zero Suicide Alliance Autumn Conference today and um, sitting with Sarah and Amy today we've had a few conversations about suicide prevention and work that they've been involved in locally so I thought it'd be good to share with people online so I'm going to start by letting them introduce themselves. So my name's Amy, I'm a nurse um, for, for quite a number of years and now I work in a quality improvement capacity. Um, so some of our involvement really has been um, implementing the safety plans across um, some of our local division inpatient wards. And how's that gone? Um, I, f I think that uh, people see the benefit of it, um, I guess that it's about finding the right people to ask those questions, especially um, if you've come historically, it's always been clinicians and nurses who have sat with patients and gone through um, risk assessments and and the nurse assistants have, have done um, day to day, sat with people and had um, quite sort of um, informal conversations, I guess. So we're shifting that now because actually the right people to have those conversations which are quite emotive are the people with the best relationships and the people that are sat with them day to day. I think it's been amazing for making staff feel valued and feeling like they're coming into work and making a real difference no matter what pay grade you are and no matter mm. where you feel that you fit in um, the hierarchy of the ward so to speak it's about finding the right fit for that patient that person that makes them feel comfortable enough to have those conversations yeah with. that's really important isn't it because um, there's been a lot of discussion today about psychological safety and establishing a rapport with people and not underestimating how important that is when you're developing safety plans and I guess that support workers and nursing assistants are often the people who spend the most time with people so they may be in a better position to make somebody feel safe and they may be the person that has got the most rapport with the person so that sounds really good. Yeah and I, I think what's important as well is making them feel like because if they feel that they might be asked something that's a bit beyond them or they need a little bit of support with it from the staff point of view that um, it's not to say that the person who starts it's got to finish it and they've got to ask all the questions if they get to a point where they feel that they need a little bit of support perhaps from a psychologist or a nurse or somebody else that, that that's fine and they don't have to do it all in one go and it's just about adapting to to what the patient needs, that person-centred approach and about not not asking too many questions at a, a difficult time and just doing it at their pace and it's theirs to own the safety plan which is they can take it with them to wherever they end up if they go into the community and um, mm. it's theirs to own so which is really that's what we want to be mm. produced. Um, Sarah over to you, do you want to just um, introduce yourself? Hi, so I'm Sarah, um, I'm a senior clinical nurse within Mersey Care. I've worked um, for the Trust for um, a number of years, I've worked on inpatient settings and also more recently within the prison sector. 
So as part of the zero suicide strategy in the um, inpatient areas um, that I've worked and also within the prison sector, we've been working again, like Amy said, on safety plans and also care plans. And what we aim to do is help patients understand their problems. Um, we aim to offer them some support and advice um, and, and some, some ways to um, help them cope, some coping strategies. Um, at times when their risks of suicide is increased so there might be certain triggers or events that we identify with the patient that would make them more vulnerable at certain times for example if um, it's an anniversary of some of something or if, if there's something happened within their personal life or they've been given some bad news um, it might be at that time where they become almost at crisis point and then they can use the coping strategies that have been identified as working for them. Some of them coping strategies might include going for a walk, might you know watching a movie, going talking to family, um, going talking to staff, whatever that might be that works for that individual. So a real focus on humanity and personalised approach rather than medical model. Yeah, that's yeah. right. You know, and, and considering um, on, on inpatient settings and within the prison, there's, there's people who will be at more risk at certain times. Um, you know, for example, within the prison um, sector, um, a patient might be more likely to be suicidal when they've been given, you know, their sentence, for example. So it's identifying um, themes and trends um, by analysing care plans and safety plans and looking um, when are key times when patients might need some support from clinical staff, from family, uh, from chaplaincy for example. And um, what have you found have been the differences between um, sort of the um, NHS environment and then when you've transferred that work into prisons, have there been any particular challenges that have been different or has it been fairly similar? I think there's the obvious um, organisational cultural differences mm. that you'd get um, in, in any different type of working environment and I suppose it's getting the buy-in from other stakeholders, so for example from the from the pit prison staff and from the governors and making sure that they understand and, and, and give us some, some buy-in as to why it's so important to keep these, these patients, these prisoners safe. Um, by understanding the mental health needs of this this particular cohort of patients. Yeah, that sounds great. And um, how have you found how have you found it today? What do you think? Um, what learning will you take back from today? Um, I was really impressed with the um, the Hope Hub and the that hub the Hub of Hope and about how um, such a obvious idea around yeah. just linking people to the to all these support groups and um, charities and places that people can go for support is such a simple idea yeah. but nobody had done it before and um just the passion behind jake really and and how we got that off the road that was really good and obviously mercy care have been um, really proactive around the restorative culture and the just and learning approach and creating that psychological safety and that safe space for people to talk about quite emotive subjects mm. and um, nobody's got the right formula for stopping suicide but we just have to do everything that we can to create that forum where people feel that they can discuss mm. those sensitive topics and that if you don't ask the right question, nobody's, and somebody does go on to end their life, 
staff aren't going to be suspended and sacked unless it's gross misconduct. It's it's going to be explored in terms of what what did we do that was good? What can we learn from it rather mm. than who was at fault? And always trying to continuously improve our services. Yeah, yeah. And I think what I would take away from today, although there are. Um, you can, you know, you can group people together in, in in groups of high risk. For example, the student um, population, or for example, people with a mental illness. However, we must consider that everybody, no matter who we are, can be at risk of taking their own life for for for, for many many reasons. Whether it's significant life events, um, whether it's um, chemical imbalances, whatever it might be, uh, everybody can be at risk, and we must all remember that. Mm -hmm.